coming in as Blue. Hewitt-Dyke centered it. with Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, this hour is underway. It's Monday, October 2nd. Steinberg and Wes coming at you from the Scotiabank Saddledome, and this is the Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Save $450 on the Braun EV5922 gun safe, now just $1450, or explore the full line of safes at calgarylockandsafe.com. As uh, we continue along on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, live right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. And and want to spend a, a good chunk of this hour again just kind of um, remembering, remembering and telling some stories about Chris Snow, who uh, passed away over the weekend, the assistant general manager and VP of hockey operations for the Calgary Flames, 42 years old. Uh, we, we all know about his fight and battle with ALS over the last four plus years and also know um, we also know about the issue and, and, and what happened on Wednesday and Kelsey Snow um, updated us on social media on Wednesday morning and uh, we found out that he was not going to wake up and was going to be on life support and uh, he went off life support on Saturday, and since then, uh, since then the the tributes have definitely been pouring in, and and mm-hmm. that would be that would be an understatement. Like Gary Bettman and the NHL and uh, Brad Living and obviously the Flames organization, and and then from all around the sports world, Eddie Vedder of of Pearl Jam, and uh, just the the Major League Baseball, Major League Baseball, yeah. When, when you said last week, and you were like, I know this is going to sound, um, it's not an exaggeration. It might sound like one, but it's not. Like when you're talking about a guy through the last last half decade, um, yeah, millions of lives. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's the type of impact he had and will continue to have uh, in, in the hockey world, in the sports world, or completely unrelated to Either of those two things, it's millions of people that, that he touched and impacted over 42-plus years. And, and I know we're going to share some stories of Chris, and we've all you know been thinking so much about him over these last few days, but I, I want to kind of share this piece of credit together, Chris and Kelsey Snow, because they truly made an impact by making their private life very public, by showing us what ALS looked like. You know, we all know ALS is an awful disease, but we might not have known exactly what it looked like. We don't know what the treatment looked like. You know, and and I say this with the utmost respect because of what I do for profession. Like, Kelsey Snow is an incredible writer. And reading her blogs and listening i heard you reference the other day you know going through hard times and listening to kelsey's podcast Mm -hmm. and and so you know yes we're gonna focus on chris and what he meant to the organization but when we look at what chris snow and what his fight has done in terms of raising money and raising awareness kelsey deserves so much credit for that too And, and 
honestly like thank you to that family for having the sh- the strength to share because they truly did make a difference. They they truly have made a difference. They truly will continue to make a difference because of the way that they confronted ALS and the way they were willing to share it with all of us. Yeah. Well, and, and I, um, I, as, as we said in the, the first hour of, of Monday's Flames Talk, when, when that email first came through, it was sometime in late 2019. I don't remember exactly when the announcement was. If it was October or December or whatever it was. But I remember sitting right here. We're in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge at the Dome. And I was sitting right here when that email came in. And the thing that hit hit me the most and and i think it kicked everybody in the gut but what what impacted me the most is that you know here's a guy born in in the 1980s and i'm a human born in the 1980s and and i i can't even a imagine dealing with that type of news but then B, being able, as you just said, to go public with it. And, mm-hmm. and as, as the tribute on Friday night said, like a lot of people would be very, would want privacy during a time. And instead they decided instead of privacy, it was advocacy. And I just, I, that, that is something that I don't know how many people would have, I, I wouldn't have the strength for it. I can't speak for anybody else. I just know that I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be able to, do what he and they did for the better part of a half decade that that part is what they like they would have been inspirational regardless but then to go and do that and and raise awareness and have have people see what they're struggling i i I couldn't have done that i i wouldn't have had the ability or the strength to be able to do that no absolutely not and and i'm sure it it sort of fueled them to keep sharing because of the reaction they were getting and maybe not the reaction but the the reach that they knew they were having you know i remember talking to chris about the trick shot for snowy challenge and and he was you know he was so touched and and a little bit flabbergasted by the reach that it had you know by the people who were participating and and he typically knew a couple days in advance like i remember when he heard that that theo epstein one of the most respected executives in the baseball world was going to participate what you know when he found out that the eddie vetter video was coming it meant so much to him and and then you know i think it's one thing to share chris shooting a hockey puck through both windows of a car and kicking a field goal. And I think the part that was even more courageous is sharing when it's, when it wasn't as great, you know, Kelsey sharing when Chris was in intensive care around Christmas time last year. Like yeah, the, the reason that Chris's passing has felt like a, gut punch for people who never met him is that everyone has been following this family and cheering for them and that's because of the courage that they had to share their story the strength that they had to keep us posted on 
what we know was a tumultuous journey. Um, we're uh, we're expecting, hoping Craig Conroy to stop by and, and totally respect it's a game night and uh, could uh, might be very very busy. But we're expecting Connie to stop by and, and share a few stories and, and I hope we can get a few of those in. And if not, uh, we'll try another time. And and it just I always was struck by the two things: how much he wanted to get everything out of his time with his family. Yeah. Um, and also how much he wanted to continue working like normal and to be signing contracts and negotiating contracts and still doing all his analysis and still working with his analytics crew. And obviously as time went along, uh, more and more limitations in terms of communication and all that type of stuff. And yet, had no there was never any there was never any let up in what he wanted to to be a part of and and how much he was so as you're dealing with and i i can imagine it would probably have been a big time something that that helped him feel normal and and normalcy Mm -hmm. in that in that entire period but i always that always struck me that you know when i got told that he was negotiating contracts still i was like he did parker bell's contract he He just did he just did parker two and a half weeks ago Yeah. yeah It was phenomenal. It was pretty. It was pretty incredible that he was still working at the same level or working with the same drive as as he did prior to the diagnosis. Well, because we've all been to you know memorial services or or celebrations of life or or whatever whatever that family may have termed them for someone who who has been ill for a stretch and and you kind of you talk to people and the question that always seems to come up at least in my experience was well when was the last time you saw them when you know when was the last time you got to see so and so and and with chris you know you you talk to people around the saddle dome this week well when was the last time you saw snowy well he's in his office on friday yeah or you know I, i i saw him do this last like this was someone who had a presence at the office right until his final days. Yep. And that's pretty neat. I know. Um, and, and I uh, and just uh, – sorry, we were just talking to uh, Peter Hanlon for a second of the Calgary Flames. Uh, I, uh, I don't really know – like, I, I don't really know if the impact of, like, what it's meant – in these walls can really be described either. Like I've, uh, I've never, I've never seen certain people as, as solemn or broken up as, I mean, that's what happens when somebody that you're close to passes. I, I get that, but I mean that, that stretch from Wednesday and it wasn't just Craig Conroy and, and the people who work closely with them. It was trainers and players and, uh, media people and support staff i mean it just the the impact that the whole thing had and and the inspiration that he gave so many people while fighting and then when wednesday happened and the news and the um gravity of what wednesday was going to be and and what it was going to turn into it was uh it it hit it hit in these walls really really hard and 
there, there are a couple people that we saw on that Wednesday that uh, yeah, I won't, I won't soon forget. I won't soon forget. You know, Craig Conroy having a tough time holding in tears because we don't usually see that from Connie. Or, yeah. You know, when we saw when we saw a couple of the PR guys, and um, it just I, I won't soon forget that. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. It was um, it was a ton of bricks for so many people who have been around Chris, who who have been in awe of the way he. He's handled himself for his entire 12 years with the Flames organization, but then also, you know, the way he handled the last four and some since his ALS diagnosis. It uh, it just hit so many people, and I, I think you and I are on that list. It, yeah. it hit so many people really hard. Yeah, and uh, and now uh, now Kelsey and... Um and and that family with two kids willa and cohen like that's now now they go forward and and i you know that kelsey will continue to be um tweeting and and i just it's that's that's the equally hard part is just knowing what and that's that's the part that maybe kicks you in the gut most is just you know how important that was and you know how much he was um, trying to uh, trying to embrace every minute that he got with them, and then here they go on without him, and that that's the part that because we got to know that family so well. You told yeah. the story last hour of interviewing the four of them at the same time on their their patio and, and when they were on vacation, and like we got to know that family so well through all of this too, and and. To now know that 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 family is is down a down a huge part of it is is it's hard to it's hard to wrap your head around and, it, and it's really that 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 part is is hard to reconcile still. And I know so many people would echo exactly what you're saying in terms of you know it wasn't just Chris Snow who had a huge impact on anyone he met you know. Kelsey and Cohen and, and Willa have left and will continue to leave that same mark on people. You know, I I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this, but I I received an email this morning from Kale McCarr's dad, and he talked about getting to meet them at the NHL Awards in 2022 when the Snow family when the Snow family presented Kale with the Norris Trophy, and what a great ovation! Chris received, you know, and the family received. We all remember that. And and Gary just sent me, Gary McCarby and Kale's dad just sent me a short note this morning, you know, complimenting what I had written about the snows and saying, you know, I, I had a very brief interaction with them, but what an incredible family. You know, what what an amazing family to meet. And, and I know there's so many people listening on their drive or, or listening on the podcast who are nodding in agreement whether they met the snows or not because that was the impact they had yeah yeah um just want to uh bring in to to wrap up the hour uh sit down a little bit with uh with craig conroy who joins us here in the doug Lacey's basement systems hot stove lounge as well appreciate the time i know it's a game night so i appreciate you sitting down with us we were we were uh we were just we were just sharing some stories about obviously we didn't know snowy like like you knew him but 
You you would have been. When did you? Now that it's it's been a blur of a few days. When when was it that you started as a as as special assistant to the general manager? Right after the. Right after the All Star break for. Uh, in 2011. 2011. So yeah, and then he came th- that September. So basically, September. basically about six months without you working in the same front office together. Exactly. Yeah, it was it was quick. I mean, it was uh, he was I think the first hire in the office after I was there. After you, yeah. Hey? So that well, John Weisbrod came in, and then him. So would he be the uh, would he be the person that you spent the most amount of time with? Um, and and who have been in hockey ops the longest with? Yeah, for yep, he's yeah. the one. Yeah, so oh, what, Mike Burke, Mike Burke. and, and Burke. Sorry, that's Mike, right. That's Mike right. Burke. You know, Mike Burke, one hundred percent longer. But uh, yeah, then then Snowy. We were uh, last hour. We were telling a story about how kind of our first interactions with him, and I just remember the time in in twenty eleven, like. I got made fun of a lot for these analytics and like talking about Corsi and and so when when Jay hired him, I just remember saying, like, "Look at that! Like they just hired an analytics guy and, and and also being a former media guy and now working in NHL front office." So I was like, "Okay, well, this is awesome!" Like and so I, I just remember uh, going and, and seeking him out one day in the press box and, and just like wanted to pick his brain and tell him how cool this is that like uh, somebody like uh, another nerd like it's good I, <laughs> like and I say that I say that very lovingly but I that like he was like straight up a rock star when when he when he first got hired because I was like that's awesome now I can like when people are making fun of me I can say well, well look at him uh, <laughs> but I, I'm curious like what your what your impressions were when when he first joined this when he first joined the squad you know I think it, like anything you're kind of feeling people out you want to see what's his thoughts on things where where he's headed what are we doing you know and and really though he had projects that he wanted to do so it really didn't kind of get going for a few years it, you know the thing is he he had ideas how to what he wanted to do and how to kind of do it but to actually get it done he's not a computer programmer so obviously it takes guys that can write codes and there's a lot to it we had people coming in and you know it just was it was a major overhaul for him and it was quite a project you know so it probably took a good when he came probably like a year and a half to really kind of get up and running and then it seems like it just keeps evolving and there's more data and there's more stuff going on and there's more leagues that we can see and you know and him and i would battle because you know he likes sport logic i like instep because i like to watch the games on instep i just find it easier for me i like it and i'm like well you know and they said well you have to buy buy them both i said well we can get rid of sport he freaked (laughs) out we can't get rid of sports we pull i'm like oh god here we go so we, uh, we would battle back and forth i'm like i don't care about all that stuff i want to watch the game <laughs> so you know it was always a back and forth like that did uh did you like did he uh did he at any point win you over on the analytics front like fully did he uh, were you bought or were you bought in right from the get-go well i always liked it i mean like i kind of told a story this morning like i love fantasy baseball so you know all the numbers everything like that you know especially 
if people play fantasy baseball. Look at all the stuff you can, all the numbers behind the scenes that you can find out. And then now we're going to do it, bring it over here. So he'd be like, oh, you want to do this? I'm like, yeah, in fantasy baseball, they do this. Can we put this in here? And he's like, okay, we'll try. You know, so it was a kind of a learning curve for both of us. Obviously, I don't, I didn't understand exactly what behind it, but what I, I knew what I liked and what I wanted and what I thought was important. You know, can we find out this through analytics can we find out that i think there was some things i personally don't think some things are important but he thought they were you know and i'm like well i don't see why that's important if i carry the puck from this side over the blue line that's important he thinks it was i didn't i mean those are the those are the conversations there's so many little things that we do but i do think making direct direct passes not getting pucks tipped out of the air you know how do you execute in traffic out of traffic win battle puck battles down low puck battles neutral zone those i love like there's lots of it i love and then there's some i don't really think are big big important thing but he thought they were so we kept them in there <laughs> well what we were talking last hour about uh and and Wes was talking about how he'd always interview and he would not give up a thing like you could not you could not get analytics info you could not get like he would maybe give you a sliver of what they were doing behind the scenes right Oh, like we, what do we know? Maybe 1% of what Chris Snow did? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know what? And he, and he only wants to grow it that much more. You know, I think with adding more people, new ideas, and there's just more data that the league's providing. And, you know, you're trying to keep up. It's a massive, a massive amount of, of data that is out there. And we're trying to pull what we want again, what we want and what we think is valuable. So it's, you know, he, uh, he I don't know if he could have had a big enough team here. <laughs> He always wanted more people and yeah. more more ideas and bright, smart people from the outside and younger people. I I had a couple conversations about him yesterday with with Brad Treliving and, and with Doug Risebrow, and they both talked about you know if you're gonna be the numbers guy, you still have to you have to have the you know personality, you have to have the the skills to pass it along. Can can you just speak to how he sort of balance the numbers but also also just you know the human side of it well i mean hey the bottom line is most of us don't get into the whole we want the layman terms how it works for us and what works for us and that's what chris was good he's the one thing when he wrote something or he you know he's so well written that you're like wow that's really nice I mean, <laughs> like i told a story I'd, I'd have to write things i'm like chris like this is what here are the bullet points that i want Can, and i mean it'd come out and it's like wow <laughs> i'm gonna take this as my own <laughs> but he's like oh great craig but you know it's it's all the, the way he could kind of turn it from the numbers into something we can trans you know kind of what's important and to be able to talk to the coaches about power play penalty kill um different different things that different teams are doing where strength and weaknesses are and just kind of make it into a layman's terms for all the players and, and all of us kind of to work with was nice behind the scenes you'd see the computer programming and all that kind of stuff and it was uh you know in over it was over my head but it, <laughs> when the finished product came it was really well done we were we were talking about you know, after after the diagnosis in in 2019, and yet, just I, I always appreciated how he never stopped working. Mm -hmm. And also, I told a story about uh, I was I just ran into him at a Starbucks, and uh, and and I had 
gone to shake his, shook his hand with my left hand because his, his right he didn't have the mobility in his right arm and he just said hey I really appreciate that because he always kind of had this attitude of like yeah it's this is like let's acknowledge it like it's part of it like there are some limitations but let's acknowledge it and then let's go to work and that was that was right right till the end wasn't it yeah I mean well to put it kind of after I mean probably the last six months but we had the development camp um, you know, I said, hey, obviously you can't speak anymore. And I said, I'm going to introduce you. You're fine. I'm going to say everything to the guys and let them know, hey, Chris has ALS. You know, right now he, he can't speak to you, but please come up and talk to him. If you have a question, he will text you, you know. So if you have anything, and don't be afraid to come up and say hi. I mean, he's he's a big part of why you guys are here, and uh, he's a big part of our staff. And so he, he appreciated it. So every time after, he's like, okay, introduce me again. <laughs> <You know? laughs> because, yeah, he wasn't shying away from it. He wasn't. He wanted the guys to know, hey, he was all in, and, and he, was, he was a part of this. You know, whether it was doing Parker Bell's contract was the last one he did, uh, you know, when we were in Penticton. So, and he wanted to be in Penticton. I thought, gee, that, that's a lot. So you don't have yeah. to come to Penticton. But, you know, he wanted to be there and, and the family came with him. And, uh, you know, that even Cohen said that was something special. He'll never forget is going to Penticton with his dad. So It was uh, it was pretty neat being able to see him. That was I, I remember seeing him on that Sunday and uh, ran into him at uh, one of the coffee shops. And I was like, it was just neat to see Chris. Cause I hadn't seen him in months because we'd been away, and it was a long off season. And it was just like, it was super neat to see him. And the guy, I didn't know that he had traveled there, so I was like, I remember sitting back down and thinking to myself, that was just really awesome to see Snowy. And so, uh, so it, it seems like that had a, a big effect on a lot of people. Yeah, you know, I mean, he wanted to be a part of this right till the very end. I mean, that was the one thing. Even, you know, the couple days before, these are long days. You know, they're not strenuous but there's three teams you get here very early you leave very late and uh you know even for me i'm tired at the end of the day but you know for everything chris is going through it i always say chris go home at three no 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 i might miss something if i go home at three i said i will text you or call you if (laughs) if something's going on so i mean we would just go back and forth and you know eventually after the first couple that he did go home a little bit earlier but it wasn't because he wanted to he just thought okay i better you know i better go and get a little rest but he'd be there bright and early the next day i'd see him sitting right in the in his office and 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 plugging away and come up with ideas and you know contracts and stuff like that and just three-year plans and what we're doing you know he's always uh he was working right till the very end craig i've i've watched the video several times of the first pitch at at fenway over the last couple days and you know you're sitting two meters from me and i don't think i could throw a baseball left-handed to you right now and and that's one that i'll just you know every time i watch it i I get goosebumps i'm curious like when you remember your friend is there an image you'll is there sort of an endearing image you'll have you know, there's a picture Cohen has. Uh, when we were in Penticton one year, we had an off day, and we decided to go on, on a bike ride. And I think we somehow he took the picture. I don't know how he actually took the picture, but it's him and I kind of, we were up in the, you know, and big smiles and being in Penticton and just being there the other day. You know, that that's one that I definitely remember. I got to get Cohen to, to give me the picture, but it's one where, you know, it's all those fun times when you're together, whether you're out on the ice, different things. When we won... Uh, when we first beat Vancouver that one year, just 
that celebration we had up in the box together we're like whoa you know i'm like it's one round but it felt it felt good <laughs> i'll be honest the uh, the expectations weren't high for us and and to kind of have the year we had with all the young guys and to to win a round was was pretty exciting but yeah it's all those little chats we had the time just the two of us sitting in his office or my office and you know like going out to have a beer and relax and talk about games and and be together be on the road uh, those those are the things you remember you know it's it's all that stuff going out and playing when we used to go out to the outdoor rink and play hockey uh you know and him and i would battle i'd 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 want to take him out most of the time <laughs> i'm like you're just annoying me out here <laughs> it was always uh you know that was the one thing you know even the fenway pitch i'm like well it wasn't bad <laughs> you know <laughs> I, I don't want to give him, get his head too big. I wanted to keep him grounded. You know, I said it's better than Matthew could chuck throwing the other way, but hey, whatever. <laughs> the uh, you don't really because um, it was quite uh, it was quite palpable on Wednesday. Just the the mood around the entire team, everybody involved at the Flames, and I I would imagine because as we just to to kick it off, it's, it's the guy that you. Outside of Mike Burke, the guy that you've been with the longest, that's 12 years that, that you've been working side by side with them. You don't really realize behind closed doors, upstairs there, you talk about the long hours that you're working. Like, it's a second family, right? Like, you, you, you see this guy, you're on the road together yeah. sometimes, you go to the draft. Like, you see this guy 250, 300 days a year for it comes part of your life, right? Well, it is. I mean, we go home after a game, and, you know, he, he would do uh, chances and stuff for the coaches, and he would get all the, the stuff. So he had a lot of work right after each game was over. And, uh, you know, it could be, you know, you get home late, and it's 12 or 30 or whatever, especially the 8 o'clock games, or 1 o'clock in the morning, hey, they're texting, did you see this? You know, we'd be going back and forth. My wife's like, turn your phone off. <laughs> like, we want to go to bed. Like, this is, I'm like, oh, Snowy just had a question. And I'm like, I'm thinking about this. <laughs> you know, so that that's how it was. I mean, it really was, you know, and I think that's, I came in the other day and there was no one else in the office. And when you turn on the lights, you know, I have a different office now, but mine was right in the corner next to him. And, you know, to know he's not going to be in there, that that's hard. Yeah. I mean, when you're all by yourself and you see those things, that's, you know when it really hits you it's sad i mean but the the battle he put up for with five years battling this disease and then uh, to, you know it wasn't hard there wasn't one easy day i don't think in there but to see him do it and the inspiration he gives there should give to everybody especially us in the office so you know it is hard and it's not going to in order and i think when all this happens it's the next few weeks and month those are the hard times when you just sit and really reflect and think about it but you know it's the one good thing for me it's so busy right now as much as you're you're thinking about snowy you're also got other stuff you have to do and and, and keep moving forward yeah uh we'll uh we'll let you keep moving forward thanks for uh thanks for stopping by for a little bit mm, thanks for having me guys appreciate it thanks connie enjoy the game yeah you as well craig conroy is the gm of the calgary flames this day uh just a few stories about snowy to wrap up the hour uh and uh yeah it uh it's been it's been a rough it's been a rough uh, rough week or so so I was glad we could do that. Yeah, and, and you know what? If there's if there's one, I I don't I don't want to frame this the wrong way. You know, one nice thing is being able to share these stories, and 
you know, that doesn't make any of this any easier, but Chris Snow deserves the spotlight that yeah. he's been in these past few days. And I, I hope that stories like you've heard from Pat and I and you heard from Craig just sort of help illustrate what a remarkable man he was. Yep. Uh, that'll do it for the Sports Drive on this Monday. Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Save $450 on the Braun EV5922 gun safe. Now just $1450 or explore the full line of safes at calgarylockandsafe.com. Flamestock is on the air and streaming on the Sportsnet mobile app. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Calgary. All right, Steinberg and West along with you. Let's go inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. This hockey season, support local. Find your all-time classics and locally brewed beers. Visit your local Calgary Co-op Wine Spirits beer today. So it's uh, now the final week of training camp. Is that fair to say? We're into the final week of training camp? Yeah, I'll allow it. Because I, I, I submit to you that next Monday, the season's underway. Training camp will be done and it'll be getting ready for the season. That's my. That's how I look at it. This is the final week. Then next week, the season starts. As a matter of tradition, and I haven't heard if it's happening this year, but I assume it is, there's sort of a, a barbecue with the owners at the end of Flames training camp. And essentially, if you've made the team, and sometimes it might include a couple guys who will ultimately be going to the minors but are are sort of part of the bigger picture for the Calgary Flames, you're invited to that barbecue, which is typically on the Sunday after the final preseason game. And then Monday, the group gets to work. Here, Here's who we have. Time to start the season. So, yeah, final week of training camp. Okay. Absolutely. So defense seems set for bodies anyway. I think we're still trying to figure out what the final pairings will be for October 11th. And my my gut tells me Dennis Gilbert's your seven to start the year. He's back skating. I saw him on Friday prior to the Oilers game. Uh, I saw him going through his paces, and uh, skills coach Darren Romerdahl was putting him through it. Like, he was skating hard. So he was doing all the, the solo drills and all the cutbacks and all that type of stuff, and it went on for, I want to say, a good 40 minutes. I watched him skate. I was like, holy, I am exhausted. So I, uh, Dennis Gilbert is working his way back. I think he'll play one of these final. He's not going to play this game against Winnipeg on Monday, but I think he'll play in at least one of the final two preseason games. So my gut is Gilbert's your seven. So I, I think that their defense is set. With Oliver Shillington not available as it stands right now, Tanev, Osterley, Hannafin, Anderson, Uyghur, Zadorov, Gilbert, those are the seven I think they're going to start with. Yeah, and I know that Ilya Slovyov have, has really made a push for that, you know, for a job on the blue line, and it, he could be in consideration for that seventh, but because of the, you know, because of the toughness that Dennis Gilbert brings, because of his experience being a guy who can be out of the lineup for a stretch and, and come in and, and you kind of know the sort of spunk you're going to get from him, he's a pretty good candidate to be a seven. And so while I know that Solovyov has really turned some heads at this training camp and, and you know, we'll look to continue to do that later this week, I'm sure we'll see him in another game. Um, I think you're right. It's got to be Dennis Gilbert's to lose at this point. 
Goaltending seems pretty set in stone. Yeah. Markstrom, Vladar to start the year, and, and then we'll see how it goes from there with with Dustin Wolf. I, I'm not even sure we're going to see Dustin Wolf again in the preseason. It's going to be Jacob Markstrom tonight, and then my best guess is that you want to give your two goalies another game each. Yep. Especially with the gap or the layoff between – Friday's last preseason game and, and Wednesday's Wednesday. opener. Yep. You know, Jacob Markstrom's going to want that game Friday. I think you're going to give Dan Vladar Wednesday. And so Dustin Wolf is going to head back to the AHL's Wranglers and bide his time and, and look to sort of force their hand with his play down there. So then the real questions that still need to be answered between now and, and the start of the season and the start of figuring out the roster up front uh, because with injuries to Kevin Rooney and Jacob Pelche, we're talking about a few spots open right now. I don't think that um, we're expecting Rooney back right away. Uh, I, I believe he's getting looked at on this Monday, so we might have more on that on Tuesday. Um, and it leaves a, a couple of forwards that are very interesting in this conversation. Let's let's start with Adam Ruzicka and where he fits in all of this because that is one of my biggest questions of this training camp. Now that I have seen more than a week of training camp and I've seen five of eight uh, preseason games, it's very clear the Flames are looking to – give this guy opportunity to make the roster and they want him to show them that he needs to be on this opening day roster and in the opening night lineup. But as he remains for this game against Winnipeg on a line with Kadri and Dubé, which he spent a lot of time on, I'm still not 100% sure where Adam fits as we go into the final week of training camp. And that, to me, is one of the biggest stories that needs to figure itself out. They really want him to fit in a top nine spot. Yep. And not only are they giving Adam Rizicka every opportunity to prove he should be in the opening night lineup, he's really getting every opportunity to prove he should be on that second line. Yep. We're going to see him with, with Nazem Kadri and Dylan Dubé again tonight. I, you know, I wrote earlier today, and I, I really believe this, Adam Rizicka is one of the X factors for this Calgary Flames team in 23-24. Like, you, you don't have necessarily a, a backup plan waiting to go if that second line experiment doesn't work especially with what we heard in the last segment with Mark Savard saying that he doesn't feel like Nazem Kadri and Matt Coronado is is a really great fit and so you need this Ruzichka as your second line left winger experiment to work they have you know they, they're really relying on that being a fit because if it's not and if you need to move Ruzichka back to the middle of your fourth line, mm -hmm. you suddenly have a scoring line spot that you're trying to figure out what to do with. So, and that's because that's one of the biggest questions is does he fit in that spot as a 4C or does he fit as kind of a 
middle six left winger on this team. This this was uh, this was Ryan Huska on Monday morning ahead of the game against Winnipeg and uh, got asked a couple of questions about Adam Ruzicka and, and his camp so far. There's still inconsistencies, and I, I think for for Rosie, like you can see some moments with the plays that he can make on a power play coming downhill when he's protecting a puck down low, like he is a big man. And we're all salivating for big men that have skills. Um, so we're really driving Rosie to be consistent and take a lot of pride in being consistent. So, you, you know, the mantra for Rosie could be like consistency is cool. Um, we want him to really take pride in that because he's got a skill set that not a lot of guys don't have. And when you've couple that with the size that he has um, the package is really nice so we really want to see him push himself and try to find another level can you can you just follow that up and explain what consistency for adam needs to look like yeah um you know when i mentioned the guys in winnipeg how hard they were um, trying to get up the ice how hard they were coming back creating turnovers that's what it needs to be for him so he needs to move his feet hard all the time and then once he gets pucks he needs to hold on to them and make good plays with them um people talk about firm firm means different things for different guys some guys are physical and they're going to hit you hard um, some guys are tougher guys some guys like Adam have to be firm in regards so you're not taking the puck from him that's that's when he's at his best when he holds on to it and protects it and finds open men or goes to the net himself where he's willing to throw a defenseman on his back so there is Ryan Huska when asked about Adam Rizic get a little bit of a status report as we enter the final week of training camp it uh, it's it's really if if he shows them that middle six winger scoring threat like playing in that top nine is where he belongs and and to be honest with you Wes so far so good I think he's had a really strong camp I really do agreed so I think he's doing it right now and if that continues now as the games ramp up a little bit more you know I I, I, I would imagine that he gets in at least one if not both of those last two preseason games in Edmonton and in Vancouver I, uh, I, I think that he's going to get that opportunity and if he proves it against what we're expecting to be like Elias Pettersson and Connor McDavid and, and like the, the big stars of these opposing teams, that, that's, when, uh, that's when he's going to really prove it. And if he does, that's a, as you said, that is a big X factor for the Flames. Well, and the case with Adam Rzichka, because of what we've seen through his NHL career and even going back to when he was a junior – you know, the reality for Adam Ruzicka is you don't just prove it in the preseason. You're going to need to continue proving it over and over and over because the question mark, and we heard Ryan Huska talk about it today. I talked to Adam Ruzicka for probably about four minutes today, and I bet this word came up 20 times, consistency. It's always been the knock, right? The gifts are there. He's got the power forward frame. He's got a wicked shot. Yep. He has good vision. You know, like that you go up and down the list, his offensive instincts. Everything is there for this guy to be the sort of power forward that you'd love to slot onto your second line. Except that too often in the last three years, he's been a non-factor because he hasn't played to his potential. We're talking about a guy who hasn't scored a point since before Christmas last year. I know he was scratched a lot, but I, I actually looked it up today because I was curious. There were 800 guys who had a point 
in the second half of 2023 across the NHL. Adam Ruzicka did not have one. Wow. And so, yes, he's been good in the preseason so far. He's getting a hell of an opportunity, and he knows it. But this is probably going to be a recurring storyline because Adam Ruzicka is going to need to prove it sort of every night over an extended stretch to keep that spot. I'm... I, I think he can be a number four center. I think you wrote out some lines while we were listening to Huska. Like you have him there between Dewar and Hunt as a potential line four. And I think that could work. But I think they'd rather have him in the top nine. And, and I only put him there because I'm sort of wondering what to do with Sharon Govich. And so I was just I was just sort of spitballing. The, the one thing that could bump... Ruzichka back to fourth line center other than just not sort of living up to what they need on the second line is the fact that this team's center depth is really thin without Kevin Rooney. You know, now you're talking about and and we we know the sort of emphasis on the centermen that this new defensive system is going to mm-hmm. You know, the center is basically the key to making their defensive game plan work. And so now with Kevin Rooney potentially out of the lineup due to injury, with Ben Jones on waivers today and already on his way to the Wranglers, if he clears, you're talking about Connor Zary, who hasn't played in the NHL, or Cole Schwint, who has barely played in the NHL, or Dryden Hunt, who told Derek Wills, as we heard on the Daily Flames roundtable, that he's not super comfortable at center as sort of your best options up the middle. And, and tell me if I'm forgetting someone, but if Adam Ruzichka gets moved back there, I wonder if it's because they don't have another obvious candidate to be a fourth-line center. But it's on Adam, and, and he's getting the opportunity. You know, go play really well in these next two or three preseason games with Nazem Kadri and Dylan Dubé. And if that second line looks good, I promise you, they'll figure out the fourth line center some other way. And then there's Dryden Hunt, who I, I like. He has made a push here. He's been probably the most um, the 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 bubble player that has been the most impressive, or that has separated himself the most. Would he would he be in this spot if both Rooney and Pelche weren't injured? Maybe not. But I do know that Ryan Huska pointed him out to me on one of our coaches' shows early in the early in the preseason, either game one or game two, where he said, I, I really am liking what I'm seeing from Dryden Hunt, and he pointed him out specifically. So he's been on the radar since the beginning of training camp, and he's also a player that they obviously went and targeted when they acquired him at the trade deadline. It was a very under-the-radar signing, and he did not play in the NHL last year, but they obviously targeted him when they went and acquired him. So Well, and they – sorry to interrupt, yeah. but – they targeted him because of his grit. You know, I was told after that trade. It was redeemed as a horn. Yeah, yeah. One of the things we're looking at it is gearing up the Wranglers for a Calder Cup push. And we think that team needs a little more grit. We think that team needs a little bit more edge. And we think Dryden Hunt can bring that. Well, fast forward however many months, you'd like some more edge on the fourth line 
of your big team, and he potentially, for the same reasons you target him at the deadline, can bring that. Yep. This I I do like his approach, and I, I think he's like we're talking about a guy who turns twenty eight next month. Um, so he's got two hundred plus NHL games before. He's been to lots of camps before. He 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 knows what goes into this. But we spoke to him on Monday morning prior to this game. Just listen to uh. Listen to Dryden. He, uh, I, I like the approach that he has as he goes through this back half of this training camp. I don't think I look too far ahead, uh, just the position I'm in. Um, I think I said it before, but I just come to the rink every day and put my best foot forward and make the most of my opportunities. So uh, another opportunity to play tonight and uh, show what I got. So I uh, don't look too far ahead, but, yeah, it's come to me. That's it. Do you feel you know pleased with what you've been able to do or at least show up your game to this point and maybe just to put yourself in this position here tonight? Yeah, it, definitely satisfied with uh, the work so far. Um, there's a lot of exhibition games, so um, you kind of just kind of have to ride that high a little bit. Um, so, you know, satisfied and happy with what's, what's going on so far, but uh, lots of work to do. When you talk about that approach of not looking too far ahead, is that is that something that you've always been able to have, or is that developed over time? I think it's something that's kind of been developed over time. Um, you know, last couple of years, up and down, different teams, that kind of thing. Um, you just come to camp, and nothing's really you know given, so you kind of have to earn that every every day. So uh, for me, whether it's a practice, morning skate, game, you kind of have to bring it. So uh, that's kind of where it comes from, I guess. I'm encouraged by the message from day one, which is. The, you know, some youngsters are going to make make this line out. Is that that's something that was yeah, that's something you know. I talked to Haskell before camp. Uh, he had a meeting with some of us, and um, you know, it's definitely good to hear that. The communication's been there from day one. Um, you know, I'm no dummy. Like I see it, and you know, it's uh, a good opportunity. Some you know, unfortunately for Pellets, like you know, that's just an, another guy to step up. So. Um, you know, but it goes back to not looking too far ahead and just kind of coming to the rink every day and doing what you can. Said you're no dummy. You know what it means that you're skating with the regular group and playing all these exhibition games. Can that become a positive push when a guy starts to feel like he's close to seizing the opportunity? Yeah, I think talking about the separation part, that's one of the things you look to do. Obviously, at some point during camp, they separate the groups and they go with more of you know an NHL group. So. Um, to be in that group is is great. Um, it's something, you know, it was a goal of mine to kind of get into that group and, and kind of go from there. So you look into little things like that throughout, throughout camp. You don't want to look at them too much. You know, like tonight we're playing a pretty NHL-heavy lineup, and to be in that is good. So you just kind of take it as, a, a, you know, one step at a time and go from there. It's Dryden Hunt. He, he seems like a guy who's been to a bunch of NHL camps before. He played on five different teams last year. He he played on three NHL teams, yeah. Maple Leafs, Avalanche, and Rangers. He also played on two AHL teams last year with the Marlies and then was able to finish off with the Wranglers. It was a very busy last season for him, so I think that changes your perspective yeah. of how you approach your role in pro hockey, and, and I think you could really tell that when he was speaking to us there. Yeah, absolutely. That that's a guy who has, you know, who has really come to appreciate his NHL opportunities. Yeah, who, it's a good way of putting it. Yeah, who who's still, you know, we we talked the other day, and and you know, I, I think it's so neat that he has the jerseys from his different stops 
in his NHL career displayed in the sort of bar area in his basement. So there's a Panthers jersey, there's a Coyotes jersey, there's a Rangers jersey, there's an Avalanche jersey, there's a Maple Leafs jersey, and hopefully soon there will be a Calgary Flames jersey. And he's he's a guy who talked about being proud of the games he's played. You know, he said, I, I'm undrafted. I probably wasn't supposed to play 200 games in the NHL, but I have a lot to show still. And I think you've seen that in camp, and I think the maturity that you just heard is really as the as we really start to focus in on who's grabbing that last spot. Well, what's the difference between Dryden Hunt and Connor Zary? What's the difference between Dryden Hunt and Adam Klapka? What's the difference between Dryden Hunt and Ben Jones? 200 games of NHL experience. Yep. That's the difference, and I think you heard that there. And uh, I, I think you can almost book it that after the next round of cuts, Dryden Hunt won't be one of them, and he'll be he'll be going to right to the very end of camp. If if he does get cut, yeah, it won't be until the very end. And, and remember, or maybe you don't remember this, so I'll just throw it out there. He scored fifty eight goals in the Dub One season, and so we that heard. chat we had with Kevin Rooney last week he was talking about just that like hey this guy this guy's got some offense too don't sleep on that yeah and so you you can't have your fourth liners cheating for offense you can't be blowing the zone as a fourth liner but it doesn't hurt when that guy can finish right yep. you know Ryan Huska I remember Derek Wills asked him a, a question early in training camp about the sort of changing face of an NHL fourth line and he talked about well you're not going to have two enforcers on there, so you want your fourth line to intimidate with their speed and with being able to finish their offensive chances. Well, yeah, it was a bunch of years ago, but if you scored 58 in the dub, you can probably finish. There's two forwards that we continue to keep an eye on. Adam Ruzicka. Dryden Hunt, that's your look inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Hello, fans. Calgary Co-op has refreshed its membership just for you. Now you can shop, save, and win with the new Calgary Co-op app. Download on the Apple Store and Google Play Store. Steinberg, Wes, along with you as we continue along this hour on Flames Talk. And uh, tune into the Sportsnet Radio Friday Soccer Report, brought to you by Casiero del Diablo Wines and the Way to Be a Legend Contest. The chance to win a once-in-a-lifetime trip to England for the ultimate Manchester United experience including a chance to play a football game at Old Trafford where Manchester United legends will make an appearance no purchase necessary conditions apply must be legal drinking age Casiero del Diablo available at the AGLC please enjoy responsibly enter in store or visit CasieroManchester.com.